Amen. Right over there in Matthew chapter number 26. And on Sunday nights, we've been going through a series called The Life of Peter. And we've been just hitting all of the uh, major stories regarding Peter. And we're coming towards the end of this series. And uh, we've got several sermons still left in it as we uh, build into really maybe the climax of Peter's early ministry and his denial and um, his renewal. Uh, but tonight, what I want to do is I want to focus in on right before Peter's denial and just some lessons that we can learn in regards to that. I realize that we have to clean tonight and get things ready for the funeral tomorrow morning, so I'm going to do my best to not preach very long tonight, uh, but I want to just point out some lessons for you that I see in this chapter. Uh, we'll deal with his denial another time, and we'll deal with um, his renewal another time, but I want to just point out a few things for you in regards to uh, lessons from Peter right before his fall. And the first one is this, and if you're writing down notes, and I would encourage you to write down uh, these notes, and the lessons we can learn from Peter in regards to this are these. Number one, uh, the first lesson is that pride goes before destruction. And this is something that we all need to be aware of. Uh, whenever we all have the tendency to get lifted up with pride, and as soon as we allow pride into our life, the Bible promises that destruction is to follow. Are you there in Matthew 26? Look at verse 31. Notice what Jesus said to his disciples. Then saith Jesus unto them, notice what he says, he says, all ye. Now Jesus, look, at this point, they believe that this is the Messiah, they believe that this is the Son of God, they believe they've seen Jesus perform miracles, they think very highly of Jesus, and Jesus is saying to them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. And he's teaching them this principle from the Old Testament that when you attack the leader, uh, it hurts those who follow the leader. And Jesus was the leader. And he says, look, the Bible says that if you smite the shepherd, the sh- and the, the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. And he says in verse 32, but after I am risen... I will go before you into Galilee. He says, look, you're about to go into a very chaotic time, into a very confusing time. You're going to see me die, and you're going to be offended. You're going to be scattered. You're going to uh, fall away. He said, but don't worry, because when I am risen, I will rise again. I'm going to reach back out to you, and I will see you in Galilee. Notice verse 33. Peter answered and said unto him. Now, what what I find interesting about Peter's response It's not that Peter said, I will never be offended. It's not that Peter said, I will never deny you. Now, that's bad enough, and we'll talk about that in a second. But what's interesting is that Peter's pride shows when he prefaces his commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ by saying this, though all men shall be offended because of thee. Now, keep in mind, you've got the 12 disciples there. They're all gathered together with Jesus. They're talking right before the death of Christ. Jesus says, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. He says, all of you are going to fail. All of you are going to be cowards. All of you are not going to, are not going to uh, understand what's happening. You're going to be confused. And, and all of, this is going to happen to all of you. And then Peter has the gall to stand up and say, well, though all men. Now, keep he's talking to us for his friends are all right there. He's saying, though all these guys. You see these guys here? Though all men shall be offended because of thee, he says, yet will 
I never be offended? And here's what's interesting, and here's what we'll study the next time we're in the life of Peter, is that out of all of the people that failed Jesus, none of them failed him, uh, failed him more grandiosely than Peter himself. Peter was the biggest failure, the biggest denial, the biggest, and, and he's renewed, and God used him, we understand that, but here we see his pride, and here's all I'm telling you, pride goeth before destruction. And when you and I allow ourselves to think that we are somehow better than other people and that we'll never do what other people and other people might deny and other people might fail and other people might quit and other people might fail, just realize you are setting yourself for a big fall. He says, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee that this night... Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee. Notice, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all of the disciples. Now, uh, you're there in Matthew. Go with me to Mark real quickly. Let me show you the, uh, the, the, the same uh, passage in Mark. Keep your place in Matthew 26 if you would, because we're going to leave it and come back to it. But in Matthew chapter 14, we have a parallel passage. I just want you to see Peter's pride. Mark chapter 14 and verse 29. Mark chapter 14 and verse 29, the Bible says this, But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will, I, will not I. And you see his pride there. He's saying, I'm not like everyone else. They're all going to be scared, but I'm not going to be scared. They're all going to deny you, but I'm not going to deny you. They're all going to quit, but I'm not going to quit. And the first lesson we can learn, right before Peter's fall, we can learn that pride truly goeth before destruction. I'd like you to go with me to the book of Proverbs, if you would. If you open up your Bible, just right in the center, you're more than likely to find the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16, and look at verse number 18. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. I'm going to show you several verses in Proverbs, and here's the point that I want to make, and here's just what I want you to understand, is that whenever you allow pride in your life, and whenever I allow pride in my life, we are guaranteeing the fact that God will make sure that we fall, that we are humbled, You put a target on your back the moment you allow pride to enter into your heart. Proverbs 16, verse number 18. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction. And in haughty spirit, the word haughty means arrogant or superior. Isn't that kind of how we would describe Peter right now? Although all men shall deny thee. Okay, Mr. Arrogant. Okay, Mr. Superior. And in haughty spirit before a fall. Go to Proverbs 18. Look at verse number 12. You're there in Proverbs 16. Just flip a couple chapters over. Proverbs 18, verse number 12. Notice what the Bible says. And I, and I want to show you these verses, but I want you to see there's a common theme throughout the Bible. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. And before honor is humility. Go to Proverbs 29. Look at verse 23. Proverbs 29. So Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 18, 12 says, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. You want to be honored? Humble yourself. You want to be destroyed? Lift yourself up. Proverbs 23, verse, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 29, verse 23. The Bible says this, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. A man's pride 
You want to lift yourself up? You want to be superior and act arrogant and act like you're better than everyone else? The Bible says, a man's pride shall bring him low. Go to Proverbs 11 and verse number 2. Proverbs 11 and verse number 2, the Bible says this. Proverbs 11, 2, the Bible says, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. You're just calling for it. You're calling for failure. You're calling for humiliation. Look, you either are humble, you either humble yourself, or you get humiliated by God. This is how it works. Because pride goeth before destruction. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Go to 1 Corinthians, if you would, in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. So you say, well, what do we do then? Here's what we do. We learn that pride goeth before destruction. So we don't allow pride to come into our lives. And we always keep a humble view of ourselves. And a humble view of ourselves says this, I am not better than anyone else. People who were better than me, who were more spiritual than me, who knew more Bible than me, who were better preachers than I am, who were more successful in their Christian life, they failed, and if they can fail, I can fail too. Let's never allow this attitude which says, I'm better than, I'm a better soul winner than, I'm a better mother than, I'm a better father than, I'm a better preacher than, I'm a better pastor than. I'm a better son then. I'm a better daughter then. Don't ever allow this pride to come in where like Peter you say, though all men shall fail you, I'll never fail you because here's all I'm telling you. What you are promising yourself is you're promising that God will slap you down because pride goeth. The Bible's clear. Pride goeth before destruction. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 10 12 says this, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth. You think you're standing? You think you're strong? I have a strong stand. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Because pride goeth before destruction. So the first lesson we learn from Peter is that pride goeth before destruction. Now look, if you don't want to be destroyed, if you want to be honored, then humble yourself. If you want to be humiliated, then lift yourself up. If you want your pride to bring you low, if you want destruction to bring you down, if you want God to turn on you and to put a target on you and to bring you down, then lift yourself up. See, the truth is this, that the telltale signs of Peter's fall were already there the moment he not only thought these thoughts in his mind and in his heart, but he actually had the audacity to allow them to come out of his mouth when he said, though all men shall deny thee. I'll never deny thee. It's pride. Pride goes before destruction. And sometimes you and I get there where we think we're better. We think we would do. They did, but they might, but we'll never. And here's all I'm telling you. Here's all I'm telling you. A man's pride shall bring him low. So lesson number one is this. Pride goes before destruction. Here's lesson number two. If you can go back to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. And like I said, I, I want to not, not preach very long tonight because we've got lots of things to do. So I'll try to give these to you as quickly as I can. Lesson number one, pride goes before destruction. Lesson number two, here it is. Never say never. Never say never. Matthew 26, verse 33. Let's look at our hero, Peter. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee. Pride. Then he says this. Yet will I never, yet will I never be offended. Here's lesson number two from 
Peter's pre-fall, it's this. Not only does pride go before destruction, but lesson number two is this. You should never say never. I never. Or how about this? You should never say ever. Unless you're talking about eternal security, you should never say ever. I will always. I will forever. I will never. That's pride. Proverbs 27, if you would. I meant to tell you to keep your place there in Proverbs. We were just there. Proverbs 27. See, humility tells us to have a humble attitude about ourselves. And humility teaches us to have a humble attitude about what we will do and what will happen. Because here's the truth. You cannot control what will happen. And you can't necessarily control what will happen around you. And you're not even really sure how you're going to respond. Well, bless God, when the tribulation happens, I'm going to be ready to X, Y, and Z. Sure you are. I'm sure you are. And I hope you are. I will never. Okay. I would never. I will always. Be careful with these statements. Proverbs 27 and verse 1, the Bible says this. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. I'm always going to. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And the truth is that you could wake up tomorrow and your entire life be turned around. So be careful about saying, well, I'm going to do this, and this is what I'm going to do, and bless God, bless God, we're going to get this done, and I've got this plan. Hey, here's all I'm telling you. Make plans, and the Bible teaches us this. In fact, go to James, if you would, James chapter 4, uh, in verse number 13. If you start at the end of the New Testament, you got the book of Revelation, and you head back. you got Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter, James. I'm not saying we shouldn't plan. I'm all about planning. I'm all about having plans and having lists and having ideas and having goals, and as we get closer to the end of the year, I'm going to be teaching you about setting goals and having a purpose and living on purpose and all those things. There's nothing wrong with that, but make sure you don't get this attitude that says, I would never, they might, but I'll never, or I will always, or I will forever, because the truth is this, what we learn from Peter is that pride goes before destruction, and we learn from Peter, you should never say never. And you should never say ever, unless you're talking about eternal security, because that's on God, not you. But when it comes to you, you should boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Are you there in James 4? Look at verse 13. James chapter 4 and verse 13, the Bible says this. Go to now. Ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to accomplish this. Sure, they're doing these other things, but I'll never do that because I'm going to continue. There, a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. And here's what I want you to understand. And here's what James is teaching. James is not teaching that it's wrong to have plans. And James is not even teaching that it's wrong to communicate those plans. He's not saying that it's wrong to say, I'm, I, I, I plan to do this, and this is what I'd like to do, and this is what I'm accomplished. But what he's talking about and what he's trying to get at is our heart. In our heart, we should have this attitude that says, you say, well, well if, 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 I'm not supposed to, if I'm never supposed to say never, and I'm never supposed to say ever, unless I'm talking about God, and if I'm not supposed to uh, boast myself of tomorrow, then what is it that I'm supposed to say? Well, I'm glad you asked, because James tells him in verse 15, he says this, For that ye ought to say, and this is the attitude that we all should have, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. 
But now you rejoice in your boasting, all such rejoicing is evil. And here's what he's telling Peter, and here's what he's telling you and I, that we should never say never. Because our attitude should be, if the Lord will, I'll go to that city. If the Lord will, I'll continue there a year. If the Lord will, I'll buy. And if the Lord will, I'll sell. And if the Lord will, I'll get gain. And if the Lord does not will, then we will do that too. Because our attitude should be to never say never because we really don't know what tomorrow will hold. So boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Nothing wrong with planning. Nothing wrong with having a plan and having an idea, but the attitude should be this. And please understand this. The attitude should be this. I have a plan, God. I have a script that I've written. Here's what I'd like to do, and here's what I'd like to accomplish. I've prayed about it. I've thought about it, and I'm putting this in your hands. But God, if you will, this is what I'd like to do. And if you don't will, like Jesus said, let thy will be done. If you want to change the plans, God, you can change them. If you want to... Happy do something different? You can do it. You have preeminence in my life. You have authority in my life. I will plan to the best of my ability, and I will accomplish those plans if the Lord will. But if you have a different will, God, I'm open to that too. Go back to Proverbs, if you would. Proverbs chapter 22. I want to show you a verse that... I've heard several people use this verse, and... I understand their heart, and I'm really not trying to pick them apart, but sometimes I cringe when I hear this. It's a good verse, and I like the verse. And I believe this verse, and I, and I approve of, of this verse. And I, I mean, not like God needs my approval, good night. But um, I, I'm, I'm happy that God put this verse in the Bible, and I believe it. But sometimes we allow our arrogancy to get the best of us. Proverbs 22 and verse 6, the Bible says this, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I've heard several times, I've heard people say, well, my kids are going to live for God, and my kid, you know, your kids might end up you know, being a failure, but my kids are going to be great because the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go, so bless God, my kids are going to serve God, and I know they're going to turn out right, and they're good because it says, it says train up a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. And you say, well, pastor, do you not believe that? Look, I believe that promise. I believe that promise from the Bible. But you know, when your kids are little and you're saying, my kids are going to live for God, bless God. I'm going to raise the next Jack Hiles or Pastor Anderson or whatever you want. My kids, they're going to live for the Lord and your kids are failures, but mine are going to be great. Look, the problem with claiming that before you've gotten there is that you're assuming that you are training your children (laughs) in the way you should go. The problem's not with the promise. The The problem is with you, possibly. You're making an assumption that you're following every little thing and every command and you're, you're always reacting to your children properly and you're always responding to your children properly and you're the following everything the Bible says so you can claim this verse. And here's all I'm telling you. This verse is there to encourage us. This verse is there to help us. But let's be careful to claim this verse before we've even gotten there. Do you understand what I just said? Let me, let me give you an example. Go to 1 Kings chapter 20. 1 Kings chapter 20. If you can find the one and two books that are all clustered together, 1 2 Samuel, 1 2 Kings, 1 2 Chronicles. Here's what I'm telling you. Do you understand that there's a difference 
between an old man, between an old man and his wife who have raised their children in the Lord, who have grown children that are serving the Lord, to stand up and people might ask them and say, how did you do it? What did you do to raise your children to walk with God and live for God? And, and they're soul winners and they love the Lord. Do you understand that there's a difference between that couple saying, by the grace of God, when you train up your child in the way they should go, you can trust the fact that they will not depart from it. Do you understand that there's a difference between that person and someone who's got little children trying to hold that over somebody? My kids are going to serve God! Because the Bible says, train up a child in the way. Yeah, but you're making an assumption that you're training up your children the way you should. You know, one of the biggest fears I have, one of the biggest concerns that my wife and I have, something we pray about and we've talked about, I ask the Lord, Lord, if there is something that we are doing with our children right now that I will regret in the future, would you let me see that now? Because when you make the assumptions that you're the greatest parent who ever lived and you're following every Bible doctrine and belief, Pride goeth before destruction. And you should never, my kids will never, you should never say never. Because let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. See, the point is this, and I've shared this verse with you. I love this verse. I realize it's not the Holy Spirit speaking, it's a man speaking. And I'll be honest with you, if you read the context, it's not even a good man speaking. But when you've got a quote that's a good quote, it's just a good quote. And in 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 11 is one of my favorite quotes in the entire Bible. We have a king coming up against King Ahab, and he's basically talking smack, you know, like, like the kids fight on the schoolyard, you know. You've got the bully saying, I'm going to beat you up, and I'm going to eat you for lunch, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and you're going to regret this, and you're going to regret that. And, and it's a guy with a big military speaking to King Ahab who doesn't have much going for him, but I love the response from King Ahab, and it's this, 1 Kings 20 and verse 11, and the king of Israel answered and said, Tell him, let not him that girdeth on his harness boast himself as he that putteth it off. And see what he's saying? There's a difference between talking big about winning a match before you've even played the match. There's a difference between that and talking big after you've already won. And here's all I'm saying. When it comes to some promises in the Bible, let them encourage you. Let them uh, 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 excite you. Let them motivate you. But be careful about getting this arrogant attitude that says, your kids will fail and mine won't. Your marriage will fail and mine won't. I serve the Lord properly and you don't. Because pride goeth before destruction. And you should never. Say never. And you know what? Once you've won the battle and you are girding off your harness, then boast yourself as someone who just won. But when you still haven't fought the battle, let not him that girdeth on his harness boast himself as he that putteth it off. And here's the, here's the truth. I, we're praying our kids serve the Lord. I hope they serve the Lord. We're praying for that. We're trying to raise them in that way. But you, you've never heard me get up. Never say never, right? <laughs> you haven't heard me by the grace of God, if the Lord wills. Get up and say, my kids are going to do this and do that. You know what? Because we don't know what a day may bring forth. But I will tell you this, that you will have the grace of God upon your life the more humble you are about who you are. So let not him that girdeth on his harness boast himself as he that putteth it off. Because you really don't know until you're done what you're going to do and how you're going to do. So lessons we learn from Peter are these. Number one, pride goes before destruction. 
Number two, never say never. Number three, go to Luke 22 if you would. Luke 22, we'll look at a different passage of this, a parallel passage of the same thing. And I hope you understand what I'm saying. Let train up a child in the way he should go encourage you. Let it motivate you. Just be careful about claiming it. Be careful about boasting yourself like you've taken off the harness when you've not even fought the battle yet. Here's point number three, or lesson number three you can learn from the story of Peter, and it's this. Satan wants to destroy all of us, but especially the leader. Luke 22 and verse 31, notice what the Bible says. And the Lord said, Luke 22, verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. And the idea here, and Peter would understand this, that you have standing wheat and you would take a tool like a sickle and you would cut it down. And, and he's saying, look, Satan wants to cut you down. Satan wants to scatter you and sprinkle you and separate you. That's what the word sift means. He wants to sift you as wheat. And I want you to notice Peter's pride-filled response. Jesus says, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And again, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. You keep telling me I'm going to deny you. You keep telling me I'm going to fail you. You must not know who I am. They will all deny you, but not me. I'll never. He says, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. But it's interesting because... Here we see that Peter learned this lesson. I'm sure these words were replayed in the mind and the heart of Peter over and over again. Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. When we find Peter at the end of Matthew 26 weeping bitterly, I'm sure these words were running through his mind. Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And of course we know that Peter fails. We know that he denies. We know that he's renewed. Here's what's interesting. The renewed Peter, the repented Peter, the Peter on the other side of the denial who serves God with his life. Here's what he said, 1 Peter 5, 8. Sounds like a different Peter. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And I think Peter was speaking from experience. Before Jesus said, Satan, I desire to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And he's like, nah. Now Peter is telling all of us, hey, you better be sober. You better be vigilant. You've got an adversary out there. As a roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But here's what's interesting about Peter. Is that Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And Peter is actually being pointed out. He's, he's being targeted by Satan for a specific reason, and it is this, that yes, it's true, Satan desires to destroy all of us, but Satan especially desires to destroy the leader. Are you there in Luke 22? Look at verse 32. We see in verse 32 the reason that Satan wants to uh, attack Peter and sift him as wheat. Luke 22, verse 32. 
Jesus said, but I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, he said, when you get back, when you repent, when you get back to where you should be, here's what he says, here's what Jesus said. He says, strengthen thy brethren. See, Peter was the leader of the apostles. Isn't that true? Go to Matthew chapter 10. I'll give you one example. Matthew chapter 10. All throughout the New Testament, you find Peter being the leader. And it is because of this. Leadership is influence. Someone said leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. If you can influence others, then you are the leader. If you are influencing others, you are the leader. And what we learn about Peter is that he had an influence. He had an influence among his brethren amongst the apostles. Notice, in Matthew 10, we have an example of a roll call of the apostles. I'm going to show you one example in Matthew 10, but all throughout the Gospels, you will find that whenever we get a roll call of the apostles, Peter is always named first because Peter is the leader. Matthew 10, verse 2. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter. I want you to notice that it says the first because he's the leader. The first Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew's brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus. And then he goes on and talks about, uh, you know, Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. But I want you to notice this. If you go back to Matthew, you're there in Matthew 10, go to Matthew chapter 26. I want you to notice that Peter was the leader Because Peter had influence. Leadership is influence. When you can influence others, you are a leader. You are a leader when you are able to influence others, meaning that you can get others to do things, uh, you can uh, motivate others to do things or not do things. That makes you a leader. Matthew 26, look at verse 35. I I want to show you an example of Peter's leadership. Matthew 26, verse 35. Peter said unto him, because Jesus just got done saying, Very verily I say unto thee, that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Notice his influence. Likewise also said all the disciples. Peter says all these arrogant, prideful things. And because he's the leader, guess what everybody else starts saying? All these arrogant, prideful things. You know what I've noticed? When you have a, a church where... The pastor's a jerk. You know all the church members are jerks. <laughs> you know when, when, you have, uh, when you go to uh, work and the boss is mean? Seems like everybody that works there ends up being mean. When you have a home where the dad is not very nice, you end up having children that aren't very nice, you have a mom that's not very nice. Why? Because leadership is influence, and our leadership influences other people. And here we have uh, Peter using his influence. Likewise also said all the disciples. And this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, look, Peter, you're about to mess up majorly. And we'll talk about it in another sermon, but when Peter quits, he takes half the disciples with him. When Peter gets backslidden and goes back to the world, he takes half the disciples with him. Why? Because Peter was the leader, because Peter had influence. And Jesus says, hey, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted... Strengthen thy brethren. Because you're the leader, Peter. You have influence. And Satan wants to destroy everyone, but he wants to destroy especially those who have influence, who are leaders. So we learn that Satan wants to destroy 
everyone, especially the leader. And here's, and here's what I'm telling you. We can apply this a hundred different ways. Pastors have a target on their back, and even pastors' wives have a target on their back because they provide leadership for ladies in church, and husbands have a target on their back, and mothers have a target on their back. And anytime you're in leadership, you have a target on your back. But, you know, I, I, want, I want to um, apply this for you in a, in a way that I've, I've learned and I've believed, but I don't know that I've ever really communicated this in a sermon and I, I, I want to say this, if you go to Numbers chapter 18, we're almost done. I'm not going to preach very long tonight. Numbers chapter 18, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 18, we can apply it a lot of different ways, but let me apply it this way. And I want you to get this, especially you parents, and it's this. Satan had desired to have Satan, Satan had desired to have Peter and to sift him as wheat, because Peter was the first. Now, the names of the apostles are these, the first Simon, who is also called Peter, because he was the leader. And you parents need to understand something, that Satan wants your firstborn. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Satan wants your firstborn, because generally speaking, your firstborn are the leaders. You ever sat down to think about all the firstborns in the Bible who did not serve God? Amnon, firstborn son of David, rebelled had an influence on the rest of his brothers to not serve God. Reuben, firstborn son of Jacob, rebelled, had an influence on the rest of Jacob's sons. Esau, firstborn son of Isaac, rebelled. Ishmael, firstborn son of Abraham, rebelled. Cain, firstborn son of Adam. Have you noticed in the Bible how Satan will sometimes target in on your firstborn because your firstborn will influence the rest. Satan had desired to have you, Peter, because you're the first. And by the way, God always wants the first, and Satan always wants what God wants. If you ever notice that, what does God want? The first day of the week, Sunday. What does God want? The first fruits, the first 10% of your income. What does God want? The first love but I have somewhat against it because I was left by first love. And what does God want? God wants all the first. And I want you to understand something, mom and dad. You need to love all your kids. You need to focus on all your kids. You need to pray for all your kids. But you need to especially be looking at that firstborn. In Numbers 18 and verse 15, notice what the Bible says. Numbers 18 and verse 15, the Bible says, Everything that openeth the matrix in all flesh, which they bring unto the Lord, whether it be of man or beast, shall be thine. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man shalt thou surely redeem, and the firstlings of unclean beasts shall thou redeem. And in the Bible, it's interesting. You have all these different listings of firstborns, and you can have all sorts of different firstborns in your family. You have your firstborn son. You can have a firstborn daughter. You can have a firstborn from different marriages even, and these mixed marriages and things like that. And here's all I'm telling you. Satan puts a target on the first of everything. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, Peter, Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But when thou art converted, notice the terminology, strengthen thy brethren. He says, you're the firstborn. You're the first Peter. And let me talk to all of you firstborns. Are you kids here that you happen to be the first of five and six and seven? 
Satan has a target on your back. What you do with your life will influence what your siblings do. So make sure you're not filled with pride and think, oh, well, I'm the firstborn and I can boss all these kids around and I can... Look, you better set the right example. You better live for God. Because what we learn from Peter is that pride goeth before destruction. What we learn from Peter is that we should never say never. And we should always say, if the Lord willed. And what we learn from Peter is that Satan wants to destroy everyone. But he usually starts with the leader, with the first. And oftentimes in the Bible we see, with the firstborn. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn these lessons from Peter. You gave them to us so we can learn them. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to live sober lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that anyone can fall. We can all fall. And Lord, I, I think of these dear families we have here. I see these little kids. And I think of these firstborns. I think of my firstborn. I think of my son Joshua. And the fact that his life can influence the lives of the rest of our children. Lord, I pray you'd, you'd teach every firstborn in this room right now that they have a great responsibility to be a leader, to use their influence for good, to set the example. Lord, I pray you'd help all of us in any leadership position, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a husband, whether it's a mother, whether it's a firstborn son or firstborn daughter. Lord, you would help us all to realize that Satan truly had desire to sift us as wheat. Lord, we love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.